Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have a great friend and awesome guest on the show, Dan DeVille with Century Residential. Dan, thanks for being on the show, man. Jason, man, first of all, thank you so much for having us. This is an awesome space. I love what you've done with the studio here. Thanks, brother. Um, continuing to evolve, right? Just uh, get better and, and fine-tune what we do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so a lot of our guests aren't familiar with what Century Residential is. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes we're talking about, you know, the transition from military into, into the civilian or entrepreneurial mm -hmm. uh, field. Um, so tell us, you have a, an entrepreneurial background. So let's, let's, let's have everybody kind of get to know who Dan DeVille is yeah. and, and how did you get to being in San Diego and working with a, a, a real estate firm? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like many people's journeys, it never ever looked in the early days like it was going where it is right now. Uh, my background, actually, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, I wanted to take care of kids because kids have always been my passion and, uh, and I was good at science. And I thought that that was a great little cross section of the two. As I was finishing a chemistry degree, a philosophy degree, and a pre-med certificate, getting ready to go into medical school, um, the summer between college and medical school, I was working at a medical office, and my sister, who worked for Sony PlayStation, the, the video game company, yeah. calls me up and says, hey, Dan, we had someone that was supposed to start Monday that quit on us, and now we have a role that's open that has to be here on Monday. Is there any way you could be a temp for just a couple of months and kind of get us going? And... I, I don't know, maybe like my aunt who worked at the medical office goes, they want you to travel and play video games. And you're thinking about saying no to this. So it very quickly <laughs> became a yes. Uh, I then started doing that two months in um, the, the hiring manager for Sony calls me up and says, you know, we've interviewed many other people for this role. Now it was a mid-level management role. Like we don't know if anyone's going to do as good of a job as you are without any experience. If they were to come into this role, is there any chance you'd consider changing from attempt to actually being full-time with us? And thus, thus started my business career, you know, 23 years old, 22 years old, um, making more money than like I should have been making at that age. Uh, but found out that even doing that role, I could still find a way to serve people. I could still find a way to actually change people's lives, which is what I wanted to do as a doctor and a pediatrician. And I would go out on these big Sony events and I'd see these kids that, were left behind, overlooked. No one really seemed to care about them and they'd be shoulders and head hung low. And just me having, you know, a microphone and being an MC for Sony or whatever, going up and talking to them and like showing some passion and some care for them, all of a sudden made them stand tall, stand proud and, and feel some joy. Uh, and that kind of for me was the delineation between you can actually serve with purpose and still be in business and not have it just be about, you know, dollars and cents and everything. And that really set up everything else, which then led to, a headphone company that uh, a couple of guys and I launched back in 2008 in the middle of the financial crisis. Uh, only by the grace of God uh, did that company actually eventually become, you know, $100 million in retail revenue company. Um, sold that off to Harman, who then bought, who sold it to Samsung, which that ultimately brought us out here to San Diego uh, okay. for a private equity firm, which then private equity, if you've done much with that, uh, unfortunately, more often than not means the ones and the zeros, again, are the only thing that matter and, and people kind of get lost by the wayside. Yeah. Walked away from that um, and then met Mike Giselle, who is a good friend um, of yours and mine. 
who is who really kind of inspired me to consider being in in real estate. Coupled that with you know growing up as a military dependent with my dad, uh, and really found a passion place for Century. That's really cool. Um, and just so people like I recognize the headphone brand right. because I was at the gym one day years ago and um, forgot my headphones. Yeah. So on the little rack there, I'm like, shoot, I got to have some headphones. This is like before Bluetooth headphones. Yeah, right. This is a while right, ago, right? Yeah. And um, and they had they had you know a couple different choices there at the 24 hour fitness I was going yeah. to, and one of them was your buds. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that looks pretty cool. Has a little thing for your ear to keep in your ear and stuff. And so I bought them. They're like, they were cheap. There's like 25 bucks. Totally, yeah. Right. And bar none, like the best headphones I've ever had at the gym. Right. <laughs> yeah. And eventually like I wore through them and bought another pair. Yeah. And then fast forward and now everything's kind of Bluetooth and stuff. So, yep. so I've modified my, my Apple earbuds. Oh yeah. And I use the the little rubber piece from the your buds no way and I put it on the air buds and wanna, now they don't fall out of my ear yeah and the sound quality is way better so you want to know what's funny just to give you again this is entrepreneurship right here this is you know armed and ready uh, again things don't ever go the way you think they're going to when we first launched your buds all we were was that little cap that was the entire company was we were going to make silicone caps that you would put on top of someone else's headphones. <laughs> and it's hard enough to be an accessory brand. That's a hard, hard road to make it in a retail industry as an accessory brand. And a headphone would be an accessory because it's considered accessory to a phone, whatever. We were an accessory to the accessory brand. Oh, jeez. And realized pretty quickly on, we had already raised, gosh, I want to say at least a million, $2 million. We're like, we probably need to deviate and started buying headphones. And we actually... <laughs> Best Buy, forgive me. Uh, we actually went into the original Best Buy stores that carried our product, these little enhancer packs, we call them enhancers. And we opened up the enhancer packs and stuck our headphones inside of it and put a sticker on it that said headphones included, just so that people would hopefully then choose to buy them. Because as a little cat, people didn't think, why would I buy this? And our sales, our sales skyrocketed on that very first product because of that. Oh my gosh. Because now all of a sudden we had something. And then the buyer came back to us and said, you're not supposed to be on our headphone rack, but now we kind of have to put you there. And it kind of faded us into what eventually became the rest of the headphone business. That's really cool. That's a, that's a fun story. Super fun. Yeah. Um, so I like, you know, you, you came from a military family and obviously you went down the path of being an entrepreneur Yeah. and it was kind of led you into the, the military niche now, yep. right? Into real estate um, through, through our good friend, Mike Chazelle. So, so you guys are, are building a brand, right? A, a national brand, Century Residential. Yep. Um, and I'll let you tell the story better than I can tell, but essentially you guys are, are going to markets where there is a, where there's great agents who have a military affiliation of some kind, whether they served or they're a spouse or, you know, what have you and bringing on high quality people and, and have an amazing brokerage with a great model for the agents and stuff. So walk us through, um, kind of that and, and how, I guess more importantly is like kind of the growth piece, right? Like the yeah. entrepreneurial piece, right? Here's a tiny little brokerage in yeah. Carlsbad, California that we're going to take nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the greatest thing about our story, like the Yearbud story and other ones that I've been a part of, um, it all started with a why. It started with a big reason to exist and a reason to be. Um, originally, that was Mike's why. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, having graduated from the Naval Academy in between his first and second tour over in Iraq, almost got bankrupted by an agent. Um, they were putting him into escrow on a property that would have left him certainly bankrupt uh, and struggling to come out of that hole as a young Marine. 
Um, and he went over and studied real estate till he was blue in his face because he didn't want that to happen to anyone else. That first manifested itself in a very local way in San Diego, in Carlsbad, you know, where he ran a great team, still does run a great real estate team um, around the area. What I was able to do when I met Mike was helped him put together operational infrastructure with the San Diego team, but then said, hey, look, if we're going to do this well here, if we are going to serve military members and veterans and really make an impact on their lives here, something that both Mike and I are supremely passionate about, how do we actually do this in a way that this can be scaled out and become a service that's available everywhere else? Because ultimately, they've got great loan officers that they can go and use. There's names like yours out there as the VA loan guy that can be anywhere in the United States found and said, hey, that's someone that I can trust that's going to take care of me, that's going to serve me because they serve themselves. Same thing is true in insurance. 92% of the market share of insurance for military members and vets is with USAA. So yeah. pretty standard name, global name there for them. But when you go out and try and find a real estate agent as a military member or veteran, there's not a name to go to. There's not a place to look to try and find who is it that's going to understand what the acronym of PCS even means. Do they know what BAH is? Are they going to lie to me and tell me they understand the VA loan inside and out only to be 28 days into the escrow and find out that a condo complex isn't even approved to be VA uh, occupied? There's a number of scenarios like that that we've heard from military members and veterans over the years where agents have not been able to do what they needed them to do. So much like a good housekeeping seal for anybody in any product, we're choosing to create that with Century Residential for an agent that if you are chosen, because you really do have to be validated, you have to have a certain amount of education and a certain amount of real estate experience just to participate with us at Century, if you can tick those boxes and we think that culturally you're going to be a good fit for our customers and our clients, then you're going to be someone that we can put the Century seal of approval on and have you be able to serve military members and veterans, their families. That's really cool. And, and you know, it's an interesting testament to that. I had a client out of the area that want that needed a realtor and wanted someone who was a veteran, but who was a good, like proven realtor. And, you know, being in the industry, I can pull up stats and I can see yeah. who's a top agent and who's a turd and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> um, so I started looking in that area and of course there's like 12 pages of just super high producers, right? Like yeah. monster numbers. So I'm going through there and I'm looking at like each one and then Googling them and seeing if I can find like any military affiliation. Yeah. And it's like, Finally, I get to like page. You're three. hired, by the way, Jason. I got we got to have you doing that for us. <laughs> it was. It took me like an hour before I found one person. Yeah. that had some military background. I found a guy who was a big producer. He was a Marine vet. Um, but it was it was interesting. I I would imagine in the three pages of people that I went through, there's probably one or two in there right. that have a mil whether they're a military spouse or they are a veteran, yeah. but don't have anything online. Yeah, I'm sharing that. Yep. Um, and I found this guy who was proud of his service and, yeah. you know, recognizes, you know, serving veterans in his area and all that stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was really fascinating to me. I don't remember the, the brokerage he worked for, but it was just a run of the mill brokerage, yeah. right? Just any old, any Cold old flag. Banker, yeah, exactly. Cold banker, essentially one, something yeah. like that. And, um, but what's, what's the interesting paradigm is there isn't really anybody, anybody in your space that's putting a flag out there and yeah. saying, Hey, we're, we're the military brand right. when it comes to, to real estate. And you know, um, people are afraid to specialize. People are afraid. And this is true of almost all industries. And this is where, if you look at the last 20 years of brand new successful companies, they all start narrow and they all start focused in on something where they can mean a lot to a smaller number of people. 
and then expand from a position of strength. It's honestly, Jason, like it's the reason you're so good at what you do is because you've taken that same focus. You're not the loan guy. That's the traditional wisdom in lending. I'm going to be the loan guy. You need a loan, come to me. But by being the VA loan guy, that means a lot to a smaller group of people, but that's the group of people that you're ultimately there to serve. In real estate, the only segmentation that there's been historically has been premium luxury and people who just don't say anything. I just, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent or I'm a premium <laughs> right? luxury real estate. Well, who doesn't want to do the premium luxury stuff? Like who doesn't want to say, sure, I'll take the million dollar, $2 million listing, but no one's really said, Hey, I'm going to specialize somewhere and I'm going to mean a lot to a smaller group. And by doing that one, you get to feel really good about what you're doing, but two, there's a great business to be had there as well. And when those two things come together, and all of a sudden you start to populate a company like that with the right people, which is the most important piece of it all. All of a sudden you have a, uh, a track record that can set you up for success and serve a lot of clients very well. Yeah, no. And you've, you, you nailed on something that, um, that I learned early on in my career. So I got started in the mortgage business. I think I was 22 maybe. Right. <laughs> so, um, I started working for this mortgage broker outfit and I was in Reno and the CEO of our company was in Vegas and he had a couple branches in Vegas and we were his new kind of renal branch was me and my fraternity brother. So a bunch of young guys <laughs> who, you know, no realtor would even pay us any mind because we're all 22. And like, yeah. I think I was in my last semester of college. So like, no, everyone ignored us. Right. So I remember, you know, the CEO came and visited us a lot, you know, to help us get off the ground. And we became one of his, his better um, branches. So wow. he, then he started paying us a lot of attention and, yeah. and, but he was a young guy. Like I, we were in our early twenties. I think he was in his early thirties yeah. maybe. And he's got this this company. And like, to yeah. me, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And he took it from, I don't know, four or five offices as a broker. He grew it to like 44. Wow. And then turned it into a mortgage bank. Like that had a lot of growth. And so I remember talking to him one day and I'm like, dude, how did you get to the point where you could start like your own and, and build it yeah. and grow it like that? Because, you know, it's one thing to just be a loan officer and another thing to like escalate to the point where you can do this. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, or I asked him like how he cut his teeth and, and got there. And he's yeah. like, he's like, well, he's like, I'll tell you this. He's like, the riches are in the niches. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgot that statement. He said, you know, when he started being a loan officer, he, he discovered subprime loans. And this was yeah. before subprime was a popular right, thing. Right. So this was, you know, probably late nineties yeah. when he got into it. So like the, the subprime thing was really big, like 0405. That's when yep. it was like blew up, but he was, he we were already need, you know, deep into like 30 branches by the time subprime yeah. was a big deal. Um, so he was like, I just niched myself. He's like, I was young, so yeah. no one's going to pay attention to me because yeah. I was like everyone's kid. Yeah. He's like, so I just found a niche that I could go after and I just dove hard into it. And yeah. he's like, and I made a ton of money cause I was the only one yeah. that was going after it. And he's like, I had some competition, yeah. but everyone else was like, you said the lone guy will just do it all. And he's yeah. like, I could do the other stuff. He's like, I just went after the subprime. Yep. So now he's like, I'd go into every real estate market or office <laughs> and everywhere else. And I was just the subprime guy yeah. and um, totally blew up. So um, I love, I love talking about like serving in a niche because mm-hmm. it it's totally a differentiator, right? Absolutely. It, it sets you apart regardless of what your niche is. Yeah, that's exactly right? If right. you're the luxury agent, then you're the luxury agent, yeah. right? Like you're probably not selling the $90,000 house well, in East County. That's, that's exactly probably not right. Your thing. Well, and, and there are, in our industries, there are so many different ways that people do choose to segment themselves. Um, I mean, simple ones are like things like a geographic farm, like, and a great agent. So for those of you, if you're, if you're exiting military and thinking about what's going to be coming next, first of all, if you haven't looked into uh, real, real estate or lending, like 
either one of these career paths can be, please hear me clearly, can be great career paths for exiting military members. Um, I know Jason and the team um, at Amnet, they have a phenomenal program of helping people to become loan officers. Um, we actually do something very similar on the real estate side. Uh, where we have a boot camp where we put people through after they've been licensed. And if they've shown that they have the propensities and just the character traits that you're going to ultimately need to be a successful real estate agent, which doesn't mean that you just roll out of bed and all of a sudden you're an exceptional real estate agent. You have to be willing to work hard. Um, chances are you're going to have to be personable. So if you are, uh, if you're a, a wet rag of a personality, I'm sorry, but you probably want to find another career path than lending <laughs> or, or real estate. But a lot of the hard work is already ingrained. You've already proven yourself in, in the service that you've given. Um, if you've got the work ethic and then you can step into a company that actually is going to understand you, that's going to care about who you are and actually propel you with things like actually giving you training, actually giving you services, potentially even giving you leads and the like so that you can have an income coming out. Now you're talking about, we have, uh, we have two young men right now, uh, both of them active duty Marines right here on Pendleton, both of them going through a skill bridge program, which is last six months of your military career, you can actually participate with a company, get trained up on a particular craft or trade, and then with the hopes of that turning into a job for you after you have finished up the skill bridge program. Well, these two young men have had the opportunity to get licensed and they've already built their network and their sphere where their pipeline, one of them actually already finished the skill bridge internship. By the time he had finished the skill, the skill bridge internship, within a month, he had three escrows for a total of, I want to say like $1.5, $2 million That's awesome. of real estate, which there are agents that'll work their entire life, their entire life make decent money and never do $2 million in real estate in a single year. I mean, that's, that's the reality of the industry Yeah, because these young men have the talents and because they came into a program that was able to um, uh, enable them to be the best that they were going to be able to be as an agent specifically focused on, uh, on military members and veterans. They're shooting out of the gun, uh, shooting out of the cannon uh, with some speed right out of the gate. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, and what's, what's interesting about, our industry. And a lot of people look at it like, you know, cause it's commission only. Right. So, right. so, you know, you eat, you, you, eat what you kill. Right. So, you know, you can show up to work at noon. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you can be done at one. By all means. No problem. Yeah. Right. But it's the, the amount of work that it actually takes yep. is there's a lot, it's a lot of time, a lot of hours, and there's a lot of self-discipline. Yeah. And, and I think that gets confused with people who get the real, a lot of people get the real estate license yep. and think it's just going to be easy slam dunk. Everyone yep. I know is going to send me their business. I'm going to yep. be rich. It's going to be easy. walk in the park, right? It's not that at all. And right. it's hard to have, especially coming, I mean, coming out of the military, I think sets you up because you're so used to discipline, Yeah. but now it's self-discipline, right? It's yep. not so much like, you know, the person ahead right. of you giving you an order. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I don't have to be to work at any time but I should probably get there at eight. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. okay, that's going to be my start time every well, day now. You know, like you, totally. you got to set that up. And I, I think that, you know, the young entrepreneurs that are watching this and listening to this right now, you know, if you're that person, if when it is seven 30 in the morning and you're looking at your watch and you're like, I haven't done anything yet. And you're kind of getting the shakes. You're probably going to do fine because you know that you're someone that is self-motivated for me. I mean, I love my kids and I love hanging out with my kids, but in the morning, every morning there comes a time after I've played with them, I've done, you know, morning devotional, spent some time in the word, made my wife breakfast. And I've done all that by literally seven o'clock many mornings. And I'm like, I think I got to get to the office now. And I, and I don't have to be at the office even for me, but it's like, I want to get there because I know that the time that I put in there is going to increase uh, and give a return on investment of that time. Unlike anything else that I can do. And 
if you do what we do, you love what you do. Uh, there are times, I mean, like anything else, there are times when it's tough. There's ups, there's downs, oh, yeah. highs and lows. Oh, yeah. Um, the hard lefts can smack you right in the nose. But it's a lot of fun building the kind of businesses that we build. And I think that for someone considering lending or real estate, one big piece of advice that I would give you is be prepared to be a business. Um, when you first get going, That's good advice. When you first get going, you're going to have to do everything. In most circumstances, you may join a team that already has some infrastructure that's there for you. That's a great way to do it. You can onboard with someone like Jason where on the lending side where you'll come in and you'll have people that are helping you process, helping you take applications, even kind of in those early days. That's great. That's not typical. Uh, There's not one, there's not many of Jason's out there Two, even people who are well along in the industry still haven't turned their business into a business. But the earlier that you realize that the best thing you can do for yourself is outsourcing the functions that aren't your highest and best, the more successful that you're going to be, whether that be in real estate um, or in lending. Um, Find someone to help do paperwork and you can be out prospecting and building relationships. If you get to the point where you have 10 clients at a given time, you're probably not going to be available for showings for all of those clients at all times. So having another agent that already may be just as junior as you, but that you can pay them hourly so they're making some money but then can come alongside you and help on showings and things like that. The more that you think like a business person and think about scale, even in those early days, you may pay money before you have the revenue, but it'll ultimately come back to, to win you a lot more opportunity in the future. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice, especially for anyone that is considering this industry is treating it as a business. Like I, I've witnessed lots of real estate agents, lots of loan officers come in and you know, they're, they're just going to get a deal here, going to get a deal there. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the year, they made 40 grand, 50 grand, yeah. you know, they weren't knocking the cover off the ball because, you know, they thought it was going to be easy. Yeah. They just were kind of getting a deal here and getting a deal there. But if you can put that business baseball cap on yeah. and really think of it as a business, right? Like, you know, what do businesses look at, right? They're going to look at, you know, their monthly productivity. Um, what's, what are the, what's the revenue generated from that productivity? Yeah. What does it, what input does it take from either marketing expense yeah. or time devoted towards making phone calls or whatever the thing is, yeah. what does it take on the front end to get that result at the back end? And then how do you fine tune that? How do you keep improving it yeah. so that you're hitting your goal? Right. And I think a lot of people jump into this industry and think, Oh, these guys can make all this money and it's so easy. Yeah. But the ones that are really making all the money are treating it like a business. That's right. And they're analyzing their stats. That's they, right. you know, like, like I know all my stats, like how many leads does it take? How many yep. do I have to convert? How do I get to the month end number? Yeah. And, and I'm always fine tuning and always just trying to improve on that time yeah. and time again. Absolutely. The, uh, one of the things that I think you can do even before you have an opportunity, because if you're sitting there and you're currently active duty, you probably aren't, maybe you're spending some side time and, and starting to figure out the business that you want to be going into. But for a lot of people, they haven't even begun to, to explore those options yet. One of the things that I often recommend to, uh, to current service members is, Start with your personal PL. Um, it's something I know that your coaches have, have do a great job of, uh, of training there as well, but it's something that anyone can do. Totally. And if you just start thinking of life as a business and you start looking at the, the inputs and the outputs, what am I spending and what am I making and what's the return on the investment of my time? If you start to just build out a personal budget and PL for yourself, that starts to shift your mind to prepare you for the thinking that you're going to have to have when you inevitably do go out and, uh, and launch your own business. Yeah. No, that's, that's really sound advice. And a lot of people don't apply that type of structure to their personal finances. Right. Right. And it's really important. Like, and I know it's, it's kind of like a generational thing, right? Because 
we have access to like our bank account on our phone. Yeah. So we can just look at our activity and go, oh, I got money in there. Okay. I can spend yeah. it. You know, like, and we kind of have like a mental checkbook balance. Yeah. Um, oh man. But like, I remember growing up my, <laughs> yeah. and my dad would spend like checkbook. hours on the checkbook and oh. balancing everything and like teaching me how to do it. And yeah. I feel like, and I don't do that. Yeah. On no, a, I'm glad. Like, like he does. But, um, <laughs> you know, but that, that skill set is important, yeah. right? And that, and understanding how to, manage the the inflow and the outflow yeah. of the money we um so part of the passion for me that came into you know launching with century um, i had helped another good friend uh, a guy named buddy rushing um, in launching a company called white feather investments and white feather investments specifically focuses on helping active duty service members as well as veterans in purchasing turnkey cash flow rentals including things like syndications big apartment complexes uh you know you name it just really any investment that's going to help out the military members so that they may choose instead of doing a TSP to instead invest in areas over here, or you can even use your TSP to do it. When I was doing that with him um, and getting everything up and running, we had a lot of just very big realizations like in those early days, one of which being that the average military member that we had the opportunity to coach had zero, and I mean zero, wherewithal or understanding of where they were personally, financially in that moment. And that becomes a big problem for you later on, but even in that moment, it's the, the story that you hear and, and see all the time, especially where we are here in San Diego, where there's a 19-year-old kid driving a $60,000 car yep. that he's paying 22% interest on, that he's so underwater and he doesn't even know it, but man, it's got a great sounding exhaust and he can beat you off the line. And they think that that is what the end result and the goal is. So for us at White Feather and now with Century as well, and I know with you as well as the VA loan guy, it's about education, about helping people to get past that. So we actually created and still to this day do um, a financial freedom class. And one of the simple tactics that we use in that class is just a, a, a balance sheet for them, for them to be able to see what are my total assets that I have right now? What are my total liabilities? And in almost every one of the circumstances where I sat one-on-one -on -one coaching military members in those conversations, almost every single one, they were massively upside down, Oh yeah, massively upside down. And then when you looked at their income versus expenses on the other side of that balance sheet, and whether or not they were actually putting anything back into the assets at the end of the month. In fact, all they were doing was increasing their liabilities because credit card debt kept going up and up because they weren't paying attention to what was going on. But through education and through conversations like that, I would sit there. I remember very vividly a young man that I sat with that when we looked at his entire thing, he's telling me, I really just want to buy my first investment property. Like I want to, I want to make that first step of buying an investment property. So we looked at his entire sheet together. And one of the line items on there was a vehicle that was worth roughly about $35,000. Uh, and his debt on it was about $15,000. So it was $20,000 of equity that he had in this particular vehicle. That's rare. Very rare. Lucky him that he actually like, bought it right and, and put some money into it. But still, I'm looking at this with him and he's just telling me about how much he loves his truck. And he's going on and on about this truck and how great it is. And I'm like, all right, well... You're going to have to make a very big decision for yourself. Which do you love more, a cash flow producing investment or this truck that you're driving around in right now? Because you can sell that truck, get out from the debt that you have in it, buy a $5,000 car, and you'll be left with $15,000. And based on what we just did on the other side for him versus income versus expenses every month, it looked like he could net about $1,500 a month after taxes. So I'm like, give it another three, four months, $20,000 with the programs that we had set up then. Like, we'll get you a property for $20,000. You'll be able to afford your first cash flow investment, but it's going to take a tough decision 
of giving up your baby, that beautiful truck, and then being able to actually accomplish the savings that you say you can accomplish over here on the other side. Yeah. And sure enough, four months later, he was buying his first investment property because he made that tough decision. Yeah. And it's interesting, like we, we joke about it, but a lot of these guys will, you know, get in the military or get their reenlistment bonus or whatever. And they go buy a truck yeah. or a Camaro, yep. right? That's the thing. Right. right? And they, they go to that charger yeah, or the charger and they go to that, that, uh, sales lot that's right in front of the gate. You know, yep. that's like, those guys are smart. They're, they're sharks. Right. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Like then, so the national average for a car payment is $500 a month. That's, yep. the, that's the average. And that, that's usually around a $30,000 car yep. or $30,000 loan anyways. Um, but when I, when I talk to people too, and I, I believe that education piece is so important, 500 bucks a month is equivalent to about $100,000 in mortgage debt, which is tax-free, buys a home, all the things, right? So um, I had a very similar conversation with a guy a couple years ago and um, wanted to get pre-approved. And and so we pre-approved him, stretched him to his max. Mm. And so he starts looking at houses and just finding nothing. He just, for that price point, just nothing's working out. And he's like, how can I get more? How can I get more? I need to get into this price bracket. And And so we looked at everything and I I had the same conversation. (laughs) I was like, well, you got this payment here. It's like $525 a month on this, this vehicle. Well, yeah. Tell me about the car. Oh, my truck. I love yeah. it. Like the yeah. same exact yeah. story, just in love with this truck. And I said, okay, well, you got a tough decision to make. Same yeah. thing. Do you love the truck more or do you want to get into real estate? And I yeah. said, you need, to, you need to get rid of that truck. He's like, yeah. oh, well, I don't, I'm not going to really make any money on it. I'm like, can you get out from under it right. without being upside down? He's like, right. yeah. I'm like, sell it. Yeah. And it That's took right. him about six months and he came back. He's like, all right, I finally did it. Yeah. And here's the thing, guys, those tough decisions, the, the greatest way to think of it is it's delayed gratification, which is the single hardest thing to do in life. Delayed gratification, I'll tell you right now, um, it's, it's, you look, look at Jason. Look at my man, Jason, right here, okay? This is one of the fittest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. <laughs> do you think that he goes home every night and grabs a bunch of like donuts or ice cream? Like, probably not. Like, that's not his nightly activity. Would he like to? Who wouldn't want to like ice cream is like the nectar of the gods. Like who doesn't want to eat that at all times, but you choose to make the hard decisions now and you choose to do that because of the benefit that you actually get to have, which is a longer, healthier life, which is hard to think of when you're in your twenties and your thirties, like, Oh man, what do I care if I'm, you know, decrepit and my knees are beat up because I was 20 pounds overweight, 30 pounds overweight my whole life. When I'm 70, I get knee replacement surgery. The 70 year old me, you'll have to worry about that. Guess what? Someday you become that 70 year old you. So we can do this every day in our lives is choose something that's going to be better for us in the long term and sacrifice something short term. Um, there's a great quote from, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but from Warren Buffett, uh, where he says, the most important thing for him wasn't the money that he made. It was every dollar that he saved. It was actually the money that he didn't spend. And this is a guy who's made more money than anybody else, I think, for maybe, except for now, save maybe one or two people in the history of the United States, in the history of the world, one of the wealthiest men on the planet. And for him... It was about, hey, making that tough decision to actually not spend money was more often than not what led him and propelled him into the success that he's been able to have in his career. Yeah. My coach um, gave me some sage advice. I got to spend some time with him uh, a couple weeks ago and um, we're at his house and, you know, I mean, he's worth a ton of money (laughs) and and he's got cool cars and an awesome house on the lake. Like he's got all the stuff, right? But he's in his sixties. And so, you know, we started talking about that and he goes, Jason, let me tell you something. He's like, what you need to do to have all these toys yeah. is save 20% of your paycheck, every single paycheck yeah. for your entire life. Yep. And he's all, at some point in your life, the interest from your investments yep. will buy you every toy you've ever imagined. And, then and he's like, 
He's like, I don't pay cash for anything I have. It's all interest from my investments. Yep. He's like, because I was just super disciplined at yep. a young age, 20%, 20%, 20% every paycheck and put it away, put it away. And he's like, I didn't go without stuff. Yeah. He's like, but I didn't go for the things that I knew were um, out of reach. I didn't yeah. go into big debt to get like the fancy car right. or slap the TV on a credit card. If I really wanted it, then I just plug some extra money away to save towards it until I was able to get there. And right. boom, but I still kept plugging that 20%, investing it, investing it, investing yep. it. He's like, now I got it all. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. I, I think one of the key things that makes that strategy work, which is the absolute best strategy you can have, is finding contentment where you are. Right where you are today, wherever you are. And I mean, if you are, if you're listening to this and you're literally living in like a shanty under an overpass, find contentment there. Like find that that is actually a place where if you had to, you could stay there the rest of your life. And then that next piece of increase that comes over that, then you can take that and start banking it. And that's true for everybody. The shanty is a pretty extreme example of that. But let's say you live in a two bed, one bath, and you wish you had a bigger place. You have a a $5,000 car and you're lusting after that $40,000 car. All of these different things that largely are driven by comparison, which is the greatest thief of joy. You're looking at what other people have and you're like, man, I want that, I want that, I want that. As soon as you let your heart start lusting after those things, you think it's gonna bring you happiness, but really all it's doing is stealing that contentment because happiness, if you were to put it on a, a timeline, let's say I went from unhappy and then I reached contentment. When I get to contentment, the fallacy is that if I get this next thing, then that's going to move me past contentment and closer to happiness. So you're constantly pursuing that next thing, thinking it'll get you to happiness. What almost always happens to anyone you talk about that quote unquote makes it is they've come to the realization that as they were pursuing that next thing that seemed like happiness, they were actually sending themselves back towards unhappiness when really if they just locked themselves in as content right there where they are, it opens up a world of opportunity, a world of financial gain, investments where one day you wake up and you go, wow, like I'll never want for anything. And this just can be true for anyone. Anyone on the planet can get to that place. I truly believe that. They just have to be able to say, at this point right now, I'm gonna lock in my expenses. I'm gonna find all the joy that I have right now and continue to allow myself to have the joy in these things. It's not about robbing, your, about robbing yourself of joy. Be happy in that contentment. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 30 years, 10 years, 20 years do go by. And all of a sudden, you've got all those things that were out there in that happiness world but you didn't have to ever pay for them because you were able to save enough while you were in that content zone for that period of time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. My wife and I were having a very similar conversation uh, yesterday on my drive home from work. And um, we're kind of, we're talking about this stuff and she had heard some quote from Jay-Z, right? And then there's, you know, there's a quote from Biggie and you, there's a couple of cliche quotes out there that kind of, that are themed around this. Um, but like, you know, the whole money doesn't buy happiness. Thing. Yeah. And, and the one quote that comes to my mind, even though it's not an idol of mine, but is, you know, Biggie from, you know, some of his songs, he said, more money, more problems. Yeah. Right. And, and that's true. I've got that and the thug life tattoo. Actually, you just can't see it. Right. Yeah. Now. Same here. Um, <laughs> but, um, but there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Absolutely. Right. So it's not, you know, that lust after more money, more money, more money does bring on different yeah. problems. Right? right. And there's a myriad of what they can be. And and she, and my wife was saying, she had just heard this quote, which was the first time for me hearing it, but something that Jay-Z had said, and and again, I don't idolize either of these people, but both of them made lots of money. And, and right. Jay-Z is in a tremendous businessman, Business right? Business person, absolutely. Um, and he, he said, if you can't afford to buy it twice, yeah. don't buy it. Yeah. And um, I was like, that's, that. pretty, that's pretty profound. That's interesting, yeah. Right? Um, I mean, that, that makes you think yeah. about like if you're going to go buy some cool thing. If yeah. you can't afford to buy it two times right yeah. now out of your account, 
shouldn't buy it. So I love that as a personal practical application. Yeah. I've always had a rule of thumb. You know me, Jason, I love cars. Like, like I don't spend money on a lot. I'm, I'm in that content zone where I'm like, hey man, I can live my life and be happy for the rest of my life here. So why spend more than that? So what that gives me the opportunity to do is invest and be generous. Like we give away a ton because it's like, we don't need it. There certainly are people who do need it. So yeah. that's been what the opportunity has been um, for us. Uh, but we take on that, that same approach of, you know, ultimately you can either own your things or your things can own you. Um, so the yeah. more things that you own, oftentimes it ends up being the latter and it's frustrating to have the clutter. It's frustrating to have the financial commitments and the payments that come along with those things. I love that idea of being able to buy it twice. You know, for us, like it was cars. Like I love cars, Jason. Like I know you love cars too. Yeah, yeah, I'm a car My rule of thumb with cars has been never buy a car. I can't buy cash. And there's a lot of people who would tell me that is ass backwards thinking. They would say, what are you talking about? Like buy an investment with the cash, let the investment pay for the, the payment on the, on the car that you want to buy. That's a common theory and a common philosophy. And I actually don't poo-poo that philosophy. That's great for many people. For me, I'm like, I won't buy the car that I would otherwise buy because I'm like, if I know if I have to pay it cash, there's a sting that comes along with that. Right. A monthly payment I can maybe cover, but if I got to spend a bunch of money on that car, it's going to prevent me from going you know, overboard. But you got me thinking, Jason, I think there's actually an application of that in business as well, that don't buy unless you can buy it twice. Uh, there's a lot of talk you know, about how to be a successful startup, how to be a successful entrepreneur. Been blessed to have had a couple of go-rounds at this whole entrepreneurship thing. And one of the things that a lot of wise mentors and sage advisors have said and, and are now even continuing to say more and more is, contrary to what you may think, one of the worst things that can happen to your business is having too much money. Stick with me. One of the worst things that can happen to your business is having okay. too much money because you lose the hustle, you lose the grind, and more importantly, you lose the creativity. So the things that you're normally like stretching and reaching for, you're not going to reach for as much anymore. Same thing happens when you rely too heavily on paid advertising. Uh, it's the same conundrum. Like you're relying too heavy on paid advertising, your product will never mature or your service will never mature to the level it needs to because you're getting all this positive feedback. You're getting clients from all these places that just tells you, oh, I must be doing a good job at this. When really, if you're not relying on paid advertising and you're instead relying on organic growth and natural growth and content and the like, that's gonna mean that you've actually created an audience, you've created people that really value what it is you're doing. And then at some point you'll get to the point where you've seen the trajectory of growth that you really need paid advertising to supplement. So many people get just right on the paid uh, yeah. teat right away. And ultimately they get to a place where it's not sustainable because just recently Facebook uh, or iPhone with their uh, iPhone 14.0 or whatever we are, I think it's 14.0. Um, now the new Facebook algorithm, because of the way that the four, uh, level uh, 14.0 uh, allows you to actually uh, do your privacy settings, ads on Facebook have gone up by 25% in the last couple of months. So all these businesses that are relying on Facebook as a key driver of their business for paid acquisition, their cost just went up by 25%, which for many of those companies could be enough to put them out. 25% margin hit, they could disappear because yeah. of that because they haven't built an audience. They haven't built something endemic. So, Well, and it, it makes you complacent. Too. Absolutely. Like, like, like what you're saying, having too much money, right? Because right. like you said, the, the drive diminishes, the hustle yeah. diminishes because it's like, oh, well, I don't yeah. really need to work that hard today. I don't really need right. to make that many phone calls. Right. I don't really need to stay at the office till five today. Yeah. I'll leave it. Th you know, like all that stuff starts to set in, in that complacency. And I see it in our industry a yeah. lot with the paid advertising, right? Like, um, both on the mortgage side and the real estate side, there's a lot of people out there who survive off paid leads. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's like, it's kind of like that, 
um, like the happy drug, right? It's like, yeah. oh, well, I didn't close this one. That's okay. Three more came in today. You, yeah, know, right. you know, eventually I'll get one, right? Yeah. And it just keeps coming, keeps coming. But the the sacrifice that ends up happening is they're not building a sustainable, repeatable model that yeah. that has any systems or, or anything to it, right? And then, and then they don't ask the critical, critical question that every business person should be asking themselves. Why did I lose that one? Because you got those next three that are coming in. So there's never an after action report. Right. You get so just grooving in business going that you're not having after action. You're not actually pausing and reflecting. I named my daughter Selah. Selah is from the Old Testament and it means pause and reflect. And I think it's a key word like to constantly remember in our lives is just take time to pause and reflect. And when you have too much money, they say that you just use that money to put a bandaid on it because you can just spend more and create more leads. You don't actually get the customer satisfaction understanding and ultimately people are the ones that suffer whether it's people in the organization that culturally you lose that drive, you lose that hustle and you grow at a fraction of what you could have or worse than that, even in many circumstances, it's the client that didn't get the service that they could have had. Otherwise the customer that bought your product, that the product could have been better, but it was just what it was because that's what you made because that's what you guys were driven to ultimately do when just a little more time and attention from your team could have made the experience that much better for the person that you're serving. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like there's, I mean, realtors who, do lots of business and they spend a fortune on yep. Zillow leads. Right? Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're, I, I can only imagine their, their expenses on Zillow has got to be, I mean, five figures at least yeah, on a absolutely. monthly basis. Absolutely. And they, and they do a monster amount of business. Yep. But what I hear in the industry is exactly what you're saying, right? Is like the service eh, yeah. the customers aren't really that pleased, yep. but they, they kind of got hooked into their process and they're like, yeah. eh, I'm in it. I got a guy that's fine. Yep. Right. But they come out of it and there's no like, yes, that was, that person was amazing. I had the best experience. There's none of that. Yeah. So they're not gaining the referral business. Yep, they're, exactly. They're, 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 just, they're just sucking on that lead teat. And unfortunately, then big changes come, even with a model like Zillow, where Zillow years ago was all based on paid advertising, which in itself wouldn't be great based on what we're talking about right now. But now Zillow has actually transferred a significant, if not a majority portion of their business to be through a network called a flex network where it's actually agent direct referrals with a referral fee. So now if you as an agent are actually paying for Zillow, what leads are left for you to get be given by Zillow when they actually have a relationship and a referral partnership with many of these agents who have been forever those top producers that they're sending the cream of the crop to, and then you're getting the leads that you're you know, netting after that. So there's a, uh, there's a shift that can always take place when you're in the paid space that can, in a single moment, just completely changed the business dynamic. We, yeah. we participated in a partnership and a program with, uh, with Google in early days of this particular program. And it was a wellspring of business. I mean, it was, you had more business than you knew what to do with coming from this particular uh, real estate lead source. And ultimately, as the model proved itself to be successful through the few of us that were actually selected to do it originally, they ended up rolling it out to pretty much any agent that wants to sign up for it. And all of a sudden, what was this immense amount of business disappear. And now maybe instead of having 20, 30 transactions from it, you may get one, maybe two transactions from it, Yeah. which for us, because ultimately we are not a business that's driven by paid lead acquisition. That was our icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, that was, that was the bonus. That was, we had the growth trajectory and we threw that on top because that was more that we could do. Like we had done with five, six figure or five figure spends on Zillow and all these others. But that was the, the that was the top. You'd cut that off the top and it wasn't cutting off the head. It was giving us a haircut. Uh, right. Instead of lopping up our head altogether, which many businesses aren't fortunate enough to have that. Yeah, totally. 
Um, tell us a little bit about Century. Like here's kind of like, you know, a plug for Century. Yeah. So, so um, I'm a real estate agent in some market yeah. and I'm a veteran and I do good business. And I'm a good person. What, what's yeah. this Century thing? Why would I want to be a real yeah. estate agent at Century? Yeah. So just to help you qualify yourself, first of all, um, you don't even have to actually be military member, veteran, um, or dependent. Like the, the fourth group that we have, it's probably about 5% of our agents, 95% actually have a direct connection, but 5% are just patriots. Um, and you know, a patriot when you meet them, uh, they may not have a first degree connection. We had one woman who joined us who, uh, she was young when Vietnam, um, had just ended. She was in elementary school, I believe. So she's, you know, in her forties now in elementary school. And she watched what happened to the military members when they came back from Vietnam and watched just the public outcry and the way they were treated. And she said, at some point in my life, I don't know when, I don't know how I will find a way to give back to the military community. Flash forward 45 years later, she was in real estate and she thought to herself, this is it. This is how, and this is why this is where I can commit myself to that promise I made to myself as a child. And as a Patriot joined us at century residential and is now an agent with us. There's many stories like that, but the people who do well in Century have some heart and some passion. We say that we live to serve those who serve to live. If that resonates with someone as an agent, then culturally, they're going to be a great fit for us. Because what we do as a company is we prioritize the home ownership dreams of military members and veterans as our first priority. And through that, we help them to create generational wealth. It's not even just about them. They're going to get that house the difference between their net worth as a homeowner versus a renter is 42x based on the most recent statistics. 42 times greater, $420,000 compared to $10,000 of net worth for them as a homeowner versus a renter. Only 13%, 12 to 13%, depending on the source of military members and veterans who have eligibility for a VA loan are using their VA loan at this point. These are massive discrepancies that can be overcome and largely can be overcome just by education. So we as a company stand for education. There's other great companies out there like what you're doing, uh, active duty, passive income. There's great companies that are helping to aid in this education. And we're inserting ourselves into that space. Our rule of thumb is if we can educate 10 people and one of them ends up being able to buy a house. And if they choose to buy a house with an agent at Century Residential, awesome. Like that's where ultimately it funds the rest of the education and everything else that yeah. we're doing. But it's service first. It's, uh, it's mission first and everything that we do. Currently, right now, uh, we're in 15 states across the United States. Um, we're in about 50 cities uh, where we're active. We focus really on populations where there are heavy military members, like around bases and the like, okay. but then also heavy veteran populations. So many major metropolitan areas, especially if there's a, a VA hospital that's located in that area, you'll find that it's more densely populated for veterans there. So those are strategic areas that we that we seek out. Beyond that, if you're an agent and you're considering, you know, potentially making a change or want to learn more about joining Century, we'll pretty much open up any market where the right person is there doing the right kind of business. Um, we don't want to be exclusive in the sense that someone comes and says, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm out in this small town, Lancaster, California. Okay. Um, big base, big air force base. I'm not sure if Jason, you may have been there at some point, uh, big air force base right outside the, the Palmdale Lancaster area. Not a major market that you would have said for a real estate company, we have to be there. We met a man named Michael Schaub, who is an active duty uh, Air, Force military, uh, Air Force member, um, and he impressed us so much, and we knew that he was going to do right by the name of Century that we said, we'll spend money out of pocket 
and potentially lose money and likely lose money to be active in that market just so that nationwide people know that if they're coming in and out of, uh, of I think it's Lackland that's there, um, that they know that they're going to have an agent that's going to be able to take care of them. That's really cool. So it's waving that banner everywhere that we can and, and inviting people who want to join, whether they've done it on their own. Many have their own military brands already. And all they're doing is saying, hey, we're going to be military home source. We're going to be Veterans Realty Group. We're going to be Trident Realty serving with Century Residential. And they keep their branding. They pay less with us in almost all circumstances than what they're paying with their current brokerage shops. But they get to fly under a national flag. Our commitment to our agents that we just broad stroke say is that our intention is that you pay $0 when it's all said and done to us because of the referrals that you're going to get from other Century agents as well as the leads that we'll be able to bring you just from the stuff that we're doing on our side. That's really cool. Um, and are there markets that you guys are like, if someone's listening to this, is there yeah. a market you're kind of, that's on your mind, like next, hey, we want to go to this spot. We want to yeah. be there. What, yeah, what's great coming question. up? So um, Oklahoma's one that we had open at one point um, that just due to a major life change for our, uh, our state broker there that we'd love to get Oklahoma again. A lot of just great veterans uh, living in that state that we'd love to, uh, to be able to serve there again. Um, we're in the process of opening Georgia right now. Um, and once Georgia is open, Atlanta's an area that we really want to be able to go and, uh, and serve. Um, we've got Maine coming down the pipeline, Arkansas. Uh, there's a lot that's coming right now. Um, but really, those are probably the ones that are uh, you know, top of the list for me as far as the, the newer markets that we want to open up. That's great. Well, um, if, if people want to check you guys out, what's, what's your website? Where can yeah. they go? Yeah, so if you go to centuryresidential.com, um, if you are, you know, a, a military member veteran that's potentially considering buying or selling a home, we've got some great resources and tools there. You can see a rent versus own calculator that will help you understand what my financial net worth would be after a, a period of years that you select. If I rent versus if I buy, if you're already a homeowner. We've got a home valuation tool that's pretty darn accurate where you can plug in and see what your home would be worth even in today's crazy market. And then we also have a careers page on there as well that if you're an agent, and you want to learn more about what it would be like to serve with Sentry, you can go and read through all of our, uh, you know, our offerings. Uh, I was just sharing with a new employee today that two things that we really focus on is on the services. We want to be giving more and better services than what other real estate companies are giving. But then on the cost side, which is the other side of the coin for an agent, yeah. we want to be charging much less than what they are. So if we get that value stack right, and someone likes the military bend and, and really likes to serve in the way that we like to serve, it's really for many agents is an absolute no brainer. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I, and I can attest to just having known you and Mike and done a lot of work with you guys that, um, it's absolutely something that people should, should look into whether they're looking for an agent or they're an agent looking to, to hang their license somewhere and they're, and they're a patriot and they're passionate about the military. Um, these guys are no joke, like real down to earth, solid dudes who, I mean, they wear the heart on the sleeve, as you can tell just by, you know, listening to Dan today, they wear their hearts on the sleeve for the military. And, um, so huge kudos to you guys. And I love what you're building. Well, thank you. And, and likewise too, uh, for anyone, I assume if they're listening to this, they probably already know who you are, but we've had the opportunity over the years of doing countless, uh, clients that we've served together, uh, with our business and with Jason, um, and with the team, um, here that I would say hands down, there's, there's probably no loan officer that we've worked with that we've had as good of a consistent experience with, as we have with Jason and the team here, they know their stuff inside and out. If you are considering using a VA loan, uh, there's probably no one that knows it better. In fact, if I have a question on something with a VA loan tomorrow, I'm probably calling Jason yep. <laughs> to ask him uh, to ask him uh, for some sort of uh, support on that. So um, anytime you get a chance to have a conversation, whether it's just for education 
uh, whether you actually have a need for a loan, uh, you can't get with a better team. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, both resonates with, with all of us was that education piece. Right. Right. And, um, so oftentimes I feel like, you know, people reach out to a lender or a real estate agent and they're just trying to sell them on being a transaction. Yeah. Right. right. And, um, and it goes back to that whole service mentality. And I think you guys have the vision, right. Which is serve the people the business will come. And, and that's, that's one of my models, like serve the people, the business will come. Yep. So I, I talk to people all the time that I never do a loan for, right? but we might spend a half hour on the phone yeah. just on a deep VA education Absolutely. and poof, they disappear. And I don't mind yep. because you know, yeah, would I love to have the loan? Of course, of, course, of yeah. course, that's what supports me and my family. But at the end of the day, it's just sharing that knowledge and that education. And you know, hopefully they, they share it to somebody else and it yeah. helps this military community, right. you know, turn that, that, you know, 42 X yep. into a reality. That's right. And right? for every one of those people that we have the blessing and the opportunity to educate, there's just a compounding effect of that. Uh, if there were more people like us and more companies like ours that were really focusing on how do we actually serve and how do we educate the compounding effect is that person talks to two people that they may be serving with the next day. Those people talk to two people and all of a sudden you've got a wildfire of education, especially for something that's tied to their finances. How much, what, what is probably more important than uh, to a military member when they're active duty than figuring out like what financially is their future going to look like after they exit? And if we can have a participation or a role um, in helping them to answer that question in a meaningful way, whether it by cr be creating a career path for them or just helping them to get off the hamster wheel of renting in either one of those scenarios, it is an absolute victory every time. It's giving people who are fighting for our country a piece of that country uh, that they have fought so valiantly for. And there's nothing in the world I can imagine doing that would make me feel better. Yeah. Amen to that, brother. Um, well, Dan, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's Jason. an honor, brother. And um, let's keep building this thing and, and serving the military. Absolutely. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.